Welcome once again to Voice of Reason Radio. Your hosts, Chris Honholtz and Richard Story. Yay, he's back. Uh, joining you this week on this August 14th, 2020. Rich, it was really, really weird to record one by myself. You can't you can't leave me by myself. I, I ramble and I sound weird and my tone sounded off even when I listened back to it. So you can't you can't do that. Leave me on my own like that. It comes across very strange. Uh, but thank you for joining us and being with us this week, uh, folks. Thank you for uh, being a little bit patient on a on a uh, get, having put out a rerun episode last week. That's kind of my fault. Uh, we were like triple stacked. <laughs> uh, Thursday, Friday, Saturday of last week, we were out every night uh for one reason or another family with family stuff and then when our our backup days are usually on monday and i was working late shift that day so it was kind of like there was no way we were going to get a recording in and i didn't stop to think about that in advance because rich and i started planning and then i'm like oh wait look at all these these dots on my calendar that says i have something going on so uh apologies for that i do appreciate it a lot of you apparently did tune in and listen to the 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 rerun so thank you for that uh but just in case you are not aware we this is voice of reason radio my name is chris honholtz my brother rich story will be on uh in just a second two brothers in christ who to this day have still not met face to face um because he lives in mississippi and i live here in nevada and he doesn't travel much and i don't either so <laughs> so we end up uh we've been doing this for many many years and we've had an on uh, online friendship and uh brothers in christ and we uh, met through another podcast and uh, we've kept that process going for the last five plus years and uh, what we like to do is just get on every week and talk about the things of god in some capacity and uh, it's basically we're asking you to join in the con the conversation that's all this is it's not two learned uh, scholars or pastors. We are just uh, Christians who love to talk about the things of God, and we hope that what we do glorifies God and somehow edifies you. We are part of the Christian podcast community, and that is a collection of po- uh, Christian podcasts that are vetted and basically all within a very orthodox Christian framework, so you're always going to have a good program, so we always encourage you to go check that out. So go look up Christian Podcast Community, and you'll always find something good to listen to on there. You can always follow up with us on slavetothekeng.com, which is our website. When we do occasionally write blog articles, it'll pop up there. All our episodes are on there, and so are our social media and contact links. So go check out slavetothekeng.com. We'd love to have you do that. If you are a longtime listener and you are thoughtful about how how can I help this program continue to, to do what it does, uh, we have a Patreon, which is also on the, uh, you know, the slavetothekeng.com page, and that's one way you can uh, support us. We always ask the greatest way you can always support us: just pray for us, pray for us, and share the program. But uh, if if at some point you feel that you have the ability to do so and you want to contribute, that's the way you can do that. We also have, uh, you know, you could go through doctrineandlife.co. We have official uh, Voice of Reason radio t-shirts that you can get. And that's another way you can support the program because you can promote the show by putting it out there on a shirt, walking around, let people see it, get into conversations about it. And uh, that's what one of our listeners did, and we got some more listeners out of that. So that's one way you can help share the program as well. So I think, and probably record time, I covered most of the bases. Right, Rich? <laughs> well, that that was pretty fast. Um a lot of times our, our announcements could just about be the entire program, but um, Came close last sorry week. I had to, I'm sorry I had to leave you hanging there that one week. I don't, at this point, I don't remember what was going on. I remember the 
the one before that, uh, was going to try to take my wife out for a birthday and things didn't work out. Um, I'll be, I'll be honest. The last month for me is like a blur. I blinked and almost forgot we had a recording tonight. So I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm just kind of out, out fighting brain fog and world fog and life fog and everything else. So, um, I, I'm, I may not be quite as coherent tonight. Um, I can already tell my tongue is wanting to plot, try to play jump rope. <laughs> but um, all kidding aside, brother, you did an absolutely wonderful job on that solo episode. Um, I know I enjoy listening listening to you far more than I enjoy my own voice, which I despise <laughs> the sound of my own voice, which I think most people do. Um, and they probably despise the sound of their own voice as well. <laughs> that, was, that was like a joke. So, um, but I'm, I'm glad and thankful to be back with you, brother. Um, for the brothers and sisters that's asked, um, the evangelism class that I've been blessed to teach is still going well. I started in April. It was supposed to be eight weeks and we're coming up on mid-August, and it's still going, so praise the Lord for that. Um, I was telling Chris in pre-show, I'm not sure they're going to let me leave. I'm not, <laughs> I'd, I'd, uh, here pretty soon, they're going to be dipping at the bottom of the well of my knowledge, so uh, I'm not real sure <laughs> where, where we'll go from there, but uh, the Lord is sovereign, and it will all work out as he has planned. So, Amen. But I'm, I'm glad to be back with you, my friend. I'm glad to have you back. Like I said, it is very weird talking into a microphone by myself. So, uh, <laughs> you know, I tried. I tried that. I sat here one night and I just talked into my microphone. It wasn't hooked up or anything. I was just talking to myself, and it does seem kind of weird. It it it's, it feels a little bit odd. Okay, um, okay, you missed it. you missed it. That was another joke, oh. or I should say that was like a joke. <laughs> I was sitting here talking to myself into a microphone not hooked up to anything. <laughs> you just completely missed it. Our timing has gotten off. Well, we We've are got to get we're, back we're, into sync. We're we're a couple of weeks behind, man. It's going to take a second to get back in the rhythm. <laughs> uh, if you can't tell, Rich and I have been going through it, man. <laughs> it's, we've I, I we were talking about this in pre-show. Rich, Rich has been facing some issues, you know, in, in a variety of ways. I certainly have. And if you've <laughs> Look, I'm sorry. If you follow me on social media, you've heard me griping, and I'm sorry about that. I, I'm grateful to, for the brethren that listen and offer wise counsel and sympathy. Thank you. I'm not so grateful for some of you who all just come in and think, well, since you don't like what's going on with your job, why don't you just quit? Oh, that's great. You guys want to pay my bills? No? Okay, thank you. Anyway, <laughs> that's a topic for another time. But uh, so the last couple of weeks, I think, Rich, this topic tonight's actually going to be help. Maybe more about just God instructing us and they get to listen. How's that sound for a topic tonight? Oh, my Sounds goodness. Good, my friend. And, and tonight, it's one of the few times not only did you do the transition, but you did it wonderfully. <laughs> well, you did help me because we can't seem to be in sync. And so we're already a train wreck. So. <laughs> Hey, I just want to say this. I was telling Rich before we get in the show to, uh, tonight. I want to say, you know, by way because I was saying thank you a second ago. I want to say thank you to everybody that listened to this program. In July of 2021, 
we hit an all-time record for number of downloads for the program. For us, this was a big deal. We hit 2,462 downloads, just shy of 2,500. That is the single highest number that we have had in over five years of podcasting for a single month. And as I sit here and I look at this chart from April 2016, well, let me just say from April 2016 until these, uh, November of 2018, so nearly two and a half years, we never broke over 500 in a single, single month. November 2018 was the first time we broke that, and then we stayed below it again until April of 2019. And then from there forward, except for one notable dip, we have steadily grown little bit by little bit because of people like you. You've taken the time, you listen to us, you share, you invite others along. And Hey, brother, yes. when I would like to add this too. When we first started, and I hope this will be an encouragement to some others that are doing podcasts. Um, when we first started, we were averaging for one episode, we were averaging probably about 120, 140 downloads a month. And that's, that was like in a month, you know, you, we would be happy if in, in during that first week we saw double digits. 50. Yeah. yeah. 50. <laughs> you know, I mean, I still, I still remember we got like the first time we got 30, we were ecstatic. And now we're we're falling somewhere between three to five hundred. And I don't say that because we're trying to tout numbers. Trust me, that those are small numbers in the world of podcast land. But that for us, that's a big deal. And to know that, I mean, we were looking at downloads. It the breakdown that Podbean does around the world. We didn't know that people from the Ukraine have been listening during the last couple of months from Germany from other places. I mean, it's insane to think. Um, we have, in the last month, 37 downloads from India. If you're from the from India, welcome. Canada, we know there are some of you up there, brethren, that really uh, are always encourage us. Thank you. But Germany and Ukraine in the 40s. And that's just in the last few weeks. The fact that we're we're having people around the world listen to this program, and, and just I, I just want to I just want to share this because this just blows my mind. In the last year, the uh, Canada thirteen hundred, United Kingdom just under four hundred, Australia uh, just under four hundred, Germany one hundred and fifty nine, India. Ukraine, South Africa, not not huge numbers, but you know, we've even got people in Japan and the Philippines and France and Spain that have listened over the course of the last year. Uh, Romania, Russia, that was mind blowing. Um, this little program, because of people like you, has made its way around the world in the last year. And you have given us the highest set of downloads that we have ever been blessed to see in one month. And that was because of guys like you. That's all God's grace because there's nobody in the world should probably be listening to the two of us. But you guys make this possible through your generous time, through your comments, through your sharing. Um, and I pray that the Lord continues to use us for that 
So thank you for tuning in and sharing and being a part of this program because we really appreciate it. Um, I'd love to see us break more numbers, but that's up to you and that's up to God. We'll just keep doing what we're doing and hopefully we'll continue to honor God in doing that. So thank you. I just, I just wanted to share that you guys, you guys have been awesome to us. So thank you very much. Okay. So let's, let's do this. Let's try to bring a little bit of encouragement. Um, let's just, let's encourage one another right now, brother, and let's see if that helps bless other people. Um, we've, (laughs) we've definitely been going through it. I, I, I griped a lot on the internet today. Um, because my employer has decided, and and, and the, the state that I work for has made it very clear that if you are a, uh, a state employee and you have chosen not to receive the, I don't, can I say that word or, or will, will the internet shut down? We won't say that word. If you don't get the, that, that magic little sticky thing that goes into your arm and puts stuff in, uh, if you don't receive that, you're going to be tested. You're going to get a cotton swab shoved right up your nose. And uh, you're going to be every single week. You get to do this. And so um, it's basically intended to be an intimidation tactic to take you, get you to do that. And that's very frustrating when you've been in a f- particular field working for your state for nearly 23 years. And uh, to, to just be singled out uh, you know, with a handful of other people and you're going to be mistreated until you, well, you get on, you become a good little soldier. So that's very frustrating. And along with other stuff going on in my life, you know, it was, was kind of like the cherry on the cake. And Rich, you've been feeling the same thing for in other areas. So I've talked about this before. My, my particular practice right now, and I haven't been super consistent with this, so Lord forgive me on that. And I, I mean that. Lord forgive me. Um, but I, I've been working my way through the book of Hebrews, and I'll take four or five chapters at a time, and I'll read that over and over and over for two weeks. And so what I've been doing is working through the last five chapters in Hebrews, which is uh, chapters 9 through 13. And there are portions of this that have really been kind of kicking me in in the pants to try and get my focus, I think, where the Lord wants it to be, even though we are going through difficult times. And so, Rich, as you recall, when I wrapped up the, the solo episode, talking about on the issue of liberty, I... I I challenged our listeners. I said, okay, what if everything falls tomorrow? What, what if the republic falls? We no longer live in a free nation. What if we, all the efforts we make simply fail? And in God's righteous judgment, the nation of America no longer operates uh, as a, rep- a representative republic. What do we do then as Christians? And so I kind of like to, to follow up on that and bring a little bit of, hopefully, hope. Because I think this is, at least for me, what the Lord is trying to... Well, he's taking a jackhammer to the back of my skull and trying to get me to, <laughs> to pound this into my brain. And so I thought, how can we share this with others? How, how can we encourage others in this time when it just seems like there is no escape from the, the trials and the tribulations we're facing. And while these are merely the tip of the iceberg as compared to other nations that are going through even greater difficulties, um, it certainly is, is, is a trial for many of us who have lived here our entire lives and recognize the threats to our freedoms. And so uh, how as Christians do we deal with that? What, what if the republic falls tomorrow? What if all the efforts we make no longer... 
uh, apply, and we we live in a authoritative authoritarian rule. So I, I thought, Rich, you know, let's let's talk a little bit about it from that perspective. So as Christians, what are we? We are followers of Christ. We are new creations in Christ because Christ, God in flesh, you know, the second person of the Trinity, the uh, the Son of God. God the Son came down, took on humanity, lived a perfect life in thought, word, and deed, always being obedient to the Father, died for the sins of men to take upon the wrath of God upon himself, suffered, died, and was buried, and on the third day rose again, so that if we repent and turn from our sins and put our faith in Jesus Christ and his completed work, we can be saved. What does that mean? You know, what does that mean that we are saved? What does it mean to have faith? What does it mean that we're looking toward? And what does that promise mean? So hopefully we'll kind of, you know, touch a little bit on that tonight and give you guys some thoughts. And and, and Rich I, and I were going over this in pre-show. So there's a few passages I want, I want to take us through this, through this reading that I've been doing through Hebrews. And so, uh, Rich, any thoughts before we dive into this with everybody? No, brother. I think that's a pretty good lead-off. Okay. Um, I'll just kind of chime in okay. after you finish reading the verses. Okay. And um, it, it dawned on me during pre-show, there were some other verses that, whether you want to call it a parallel or a mirror, but it, this verse reinforces some other verses, which reinforce the practical applications of these portions of Hebrews. So just go ahead and, and, and read the portion that you we're headed to, and we'll just see where this conversation goes. Sounds good to me, brother. Okay, so let's let's start. Open your Bibles, and we'll be. And, and for Virgil Walker, uh, this is from the Elect Standard Version. So, <laughs> not that Virgil will ever be listening, but I gotta be. I gotta give him prop, my, my my props. All right. So uh, start in chapter nine uh, at the end of the chapter, verse twenty-seven. And so it is appointed for man once to die once. And after that comes judgment. So Christ, having been offered once to bear the sins of many, will appear a second time, not to deal with sin, but to save those who are eagerly waiting for him. So the first thing I want to kind of point out is, you know, when this life ends, we face judgment. Now, either our sins have been judged at the cross or we are we will be judged. If we are not in Christ, we will be judged. We will face God's righteous judgment. Without Christ, you go to hell. So if you aren't a Christian and you're listening to this, everything I say after this has no application to you unless you repent and put your faith in Christ. You have no hope outside of this. Everything I'm going to talk about, every time we're going to, Rich and I get into on the issue of faith, and, and the promises of God have no application to you outside of Jesus Christ. Because when you die, you face judgment. Now, for those in Christ, Christ died once to bear the sins of many. In other words, we are redeemed in Christ. Okay, We absolutely are redeemed in Christ. There is no judgment waiting for us. It's been judged at the cross. So when he returns, Rich, when, when Christ returns... He's not here to pour judgment out on us, but he's here to save those who are eagerly eagerly waiting for him. In other words, we now 
look forward with eagerness, with joy, with anxiousness. Just can't wait for the return of Christ. Because why? Because he's redeemed us and we get to spend eternity with him. We, he shed his blood for us and we get to join him for eternity. That is the, that's the linchpin of what the Christian faith is about. That we are redeemed in Christ. If there is no resurrection, if there's no salvation, if there's none of those things, then the Christian faith is worthless. I'm sorry, progressive Christian. You're, you're not a Christian and you're not progressive. You're regressive. You're just going back to paganism. Uh, but you have nothing to offer outside of a risen Christ who will redeem sinners for eternity. So that is the, the thing we've got to remember, that without that, without Christ, none of the promises we talk about have any meaning without that redemption. You know, and we go on to chapter 10 and in verse 12, it says, but when Christ had offered for all time a single sacrifice for his sins, and mind you, he's talking about Christ's comparison. He's right, remember, he's writing to... or. If you're if you're James White or Tom Buck, you believe this is a sermon that was preached that has been transcribed. But the 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 writer of Hebrews is saying the Old Testament, the Old Covenant, the law, the sacrifices they could not take away sin. You know, chapter ten, verse four: For it is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sin. Christ is the better sacrifice. Christ is the only sacrifice that takes away sins. And he did it once for the forgiveness of sins. It is not a continuous, ongoing process. So when he had offered that single sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God, waiting from that time until his enemies should be, a, should be made a footstool for his feet. For by a single offering, he has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. So the first thing we, you know, the, the next thing in, in understanding these promises, what we put our focus on is when Christ returns and he redeems his people, there's a point where his enemies are made his footstool. So those who have persecuted his church, those who hate him, those who shake their fists at him, those that do everything to denigrate the work of Christ, those who have tried to tear Christ off his throne and set up themselves as king, all of them will be made his footstool. He will judge those who have rejected him and have tried to take his place. So not only are we redeemed in Christ, but those who have come against us for the sake of Christ will face judgment. He will sit at the right hand of the Father and his, the enemy, his enemies will be made his footstool. Think about what that means right now when we live in a time, in a generation that is more and more becoming secular, pagan, uh, polytheistic, uh, hedonistic, the whole nine yards. All of these people who shake their fists at God. And by the way, if you're one of these geniuses on Facebook that think your little get-together of flipping the bird to Christianity is actually going to do something that 2,000 years of persecution has not accomplished, get a life. My word. Talk about, not, I've discovered something, Rich. Not only does being given over to a, a depraved mind mean that you uh, run after every 
immoral lifestyle and, and touted as virtue, I've discovered being given over to a depraved mind means you're stupid. I mean, you can't <laughs> think. I'm not kidding. Somebody shared this on, on Twitter and Facebook. There is a Facebook group. I'm not kidding. You can look it up if you want to. It is a basically give the, give the middle finger to Christianity event. A whole bunch of atheists or whatever they are are going to get together and flip one bird at Christianity. And, oh, my goodness, the, you know, let's run for the hills because Christianity has been overturned. Are you kidding me? The gates I'd like of... to make an op... Go ahead, brother. I'd, I'd, I'd like to make an observation. You know, you talk about that group and they're flipping the bird at Christianity. Isn't it amazing that you never come across a group such as this, especially atheists, that are flipping the bird at Muslims or Hindus or Buddhists or any of the other thousands of religions, they always do this aimed at Christianity. Why? It's because they know in their heart that Christ exists. God has stated so in his word because it states that Christ has written his law on every person's heart, and the conscience either bears witness or suppresses the truth. And they know that Christ exists. They know Christ is real. Otherwise, why would Christ be the object of their ridicule? Yeah. It's not Muslims. It's not, you know, one of the other thousands upon thousands of religions in this world, but it always seems <laughs> to be aimed at Christianity. Yeah. I just have always found that interesting that they fight hardest against something that they deny exists. That would be like um, me and you and thousands upon thousands around the world trying to argue that the moon actually is made out of cheese. Wait, it's not made of cheese? My whole world's <laughs> ruined. <laughs> no, I absolutely agree with you, brother. And it's just, again, the effect of being given over to a depraved mind. So anyway, getting off topic, but I just had to share that. So even those people who think even though they know because they have a conscience and because they know because they have natural revelation, um, they know that God exists and they're going to flip him the bird as if that's going to accomplish something. Those people will be made his footstool. So here we are living at a time as Christians and we can see the handwriting on the wall. We can see what's coming more and more. The, the culture has embraced immorality, has embraced hedonism, has embraced absurdity. And what do they target? Anything that smacks of godliness. They hate God. They hate his word. They hate his truth. And the only thing that cannot be tolerated in this super tolerant world is Christ and his word. And we can see it coming. What is something we can look toward that gives us hope? That gives us peace, knowing as we as we see the persecution coming, and it, and we're already starting to see happen that his enemies should be made a footstool for his feet. I'd like to point out that when we when you read that passage and it talks about enemies being his footstool, I don't think we completely comprehend sometimes who the enemy is. Yeah. It's, everyone who has rejected Christ, whether it be the full-blown hate-filled atheist or, you know, one of the other many descriptions we could use, but it also includes those in our own family who have rejected Christ, Mm -hmm. who will be 
his footstool. Yes. Those that we know each and every day that we interact with who have rejected Christ, who have rejected the Word of God, those are also the enemies of Christ. Yes. And I know that in our human form, in our human mind, it's hard for us to comprehend. But one thing I'd like to jump ahead to real quick is to point out what our hope, what our faith, what our trust is leading towards, and that's glorification in Christ. Um, in Romans mm-hmm. 8, there's something called the golden chain in theological terms. Um, it's on, and I apologize, I didn't have it pulled up, but it's in Roman 8 when <laughs> it talks about those he predestined, he glorified, he, uh, I'm sorry, my mind went <laughs> completely blank. Go, those he chain. predestined, <laughs> he, he, Anyway, it goes on to talk about sanctification and then ultimate glorification is like the steps. And our ultimate goal is glorification to be with Christ in heaven. And we don't completely comprehend or can understand what it means to be made completely holy with Christ. Now in our, in our limited flesh, you know, the Bible tells us to love Christ with all our heart, soul, with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. In our flesh, that is impossible. But when we are made glorified with Christ, in Christ, that holiness will be so supreme that we will rejoice that God is glorified in his wrath, even upon those that on earth we held dear to our hearts. Absolutely. That's partly what it means to love Christ more than we love our most treasured loved one. Um, I've adapted all that from something I heard R.C. Sproul say. But just think about that is our faith. That is our hope. That is our glorification. That is our ultimate goal is to not only be with Christ, but to actually live and be like Christ. And I think sometimes we forget that. Amen. And that passage you're referring to uh, starting in Romans 8, 28. And we know that all that we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good uh, for, uh, for those who are called according to his purpose. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom he predestined, he also called. Those whom he called, he also justified. Those whom he justified, he also glorified. So there's that day coming, that ultimate glorification. And so what does he go on to say in this? He says, what shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how he'll, how will he be not also, excuse me, how will he also not also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God as elect, God's elect? It is God who justifies. Nobody can justify. Nobody can tear down our justification. God justifies. Who is to condemn? Christ is the one who died. More than that, who was raised? Who is at the right hand of God? Who is interceding for us? So he, while we are here, nobody can take away our justification, and we have Christ Himself interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, nakedness, or danger, or sword? As it is written, for your sake we are being we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to the uh, to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors. Is he talking about being conquerors of the world? No, he's talking about being conquerors in Christ over uh, over. 
uh, judgment and, and death and uh, condemnation. We are more than conquerors through him who loved us because he has defeated sin and death, right? For I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. You know, this idea that he, he who called us justified us, who, who justified us glorified us, and we are predestined. That is what you're saying right there, brother. That's our ultimate destination. That is our ultimate end, that we will be glorified in Christ. So those that we see day by day, and by the way, those of you who like to kind of soften the idea of hell, well, that's really the primary place for Satan and his angels, but it's, well, the people who, who don't follow Christ, they, they, get, they get put there. Hell is God's hell. It is eternal condemnation for everyone who is not in Christ Jesus because through their wicked works, that is what they they justly deserve. And every enemy of Christ will be made his footstool. All right. And that, so when we see these things, we praise God because he, we are those people that he has perfected for all time. Not that we were made perfect in our what we do say and think every day, but we have been made perfect in Christ. And we don't become his en enemies and we don't become his footstool, but yet we are redeemed in Christ. So with that in mind, we are redeemed. We, are, uh, we have been saved by Christ. His enemies are made his footstool. We have been perfected in Christ. What does the, the writer to the Hebrews say? Going further on into chapter 10, picking up in verse 32. But recall the former days when, after you were enlightened, you endured a hard struggle with sufferings. Now he's talking to people who are being persecuted for the sake of Christ, right? But listen to what he's saying and, and, and hear what we're trying to get at here. You, you endured a hard struggle with sufferings, sometimes being publicly exposed to reproach and affliction, and sometimes being partners with those who were so treated those with those so treated. Excuse me, I'm getting ahead of myself. For you had compassion on those in prison, and you joyfully accepted the plundering of your property, since you knew that you yourselves had a better possession and an abiding one. Therefore, do not throw away your confidence, which has a great reward. For you have need of endurance, so that so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what is promised. See, there, these individuals, they were facing persecution. Now, maybe we here in America or in some Western nations are not experiencing that yet, but we are certainly seeing the world collapse in on itself and re returning to this pagan idolatry. And we're watching the governments of the world basically endorse tyranny. And, it's and the government's turning against their people. And in many cases, the people welcoming it, which is another evidence of the depravity of over which God has given the nations of the world. He's given this, their, them over to a depraved mind that they would ask for that they would demand tyranny. That is it still astounds me to, to see in my lifetime. But we see this as Christians and we watch this world falling apart. And those of us who stand and say, this is wrong. This can't be happening. What are we doing? 
We are watching the world come against us. We're watching the the the, the freedoms we hold dear be torn asunder, and we're preparing to be under a life we never thought we'd be living. In much the same way, even more so, the Hebrews, the, you know, the, the writer is saying to them, when you first got saved, after you were enlightened and received Christ, what happened? They endured hard struggle. They were imprisoned. They were afflicted. They had their own property plundered, taken from them. Yet, they endured, and not only endured it, but did so joyfully and had compassion on others who were feeling that same affliction, those who had even gone to prison. How? How on earth can you face these kind of difficulties in life? Having things taken from you, having your people be ripped apart, having the world turn against you, how can you possibly face that with joy? Because... He says here, you knew that you yourselves had a better possession and an abiding one. There was something more, something greater than what this life had for them. They could endure the affliction. They could endure the, uh, the suffering, the persecution, because they were looking at something other than what was happening right here, right now. And it doesn't mean that, that, was, that they didn't feel the affliction, that they weren't burdened by the weight of it, that they weren't saddened, they weren't hurting from what was going on. It's, you know, he's not saying that, oh, you pasted a smile on your face and you, you were happy through it all. But they recognized that what was coming against them were things that were promised and in this fallen, broken world where persecution was rampant. And we're watching this fallen, broken world being given over to the judgment of God. And we know that the, you know, as I said earlier, the handwriting on the wall, we know that that persecution is coming. That's one of the next things that will happen. How can we do this the same way they did? The way we are able to endure is recognizing that better possession. It's not the world. It's not what we have here. It doesn't mean, like I said, it doesn't mean that we don't say that it's painful. And and it's not that we have this devil-may-care attitude like, oh, no big deal. But that we recognize that as we are losing these things, there's something beyond this, something greater than this, a promise that is everlasting. And so... The writer to the Hebrews says, you need to have endurance so that you may, when you have done the will of God, you may receive what is promised. Saints, when we, you know, that you, you have the whole, the, and this is where our non-Calvinistic friends might get a little bit upset, but think about the, 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 the Calvinist term TULIP, the, the acronym. What is the last one? Perseverance of the saints. What does that mean? That true, the true saints of Christ will always persevere. And in, in other words, we continue in that process of persevering in Christ, seeking to serve and honor God. And we, in that process of progressive sanctification, right? You're having these ups and downs as you go, but as you go, you are continuing on that sort of upward trend 
being made more like Christ. You don't fall away. You don't walk away. You may struggle. You may fall. You may have low times. You may have high times. But you are persevering constantly in Christ. And that is what the writer, I believe, is saying here. You need endurance. We have to have that endurance because when we have reached that end, whether it is stepping out of this life or tomorrow Christ blows the trumpet and returns, when we have reached that end, we will receive what is promised. That's what we look for. It's that, that everlasting promise, that better possession that we are looking toward that gives us that endurance. And we w joyfully and willfully submit. This is where I struggle. This is one of the conversations with my pastor where I have to submit to Christ that in the midst of all these things and where I want to fight and I want to gnash my teeth and I want to yell, holler, and scream, do I do that? Is, it, is, it, is that what I should do? Or is it God is calling me to submit in Him and serve Him even though this situation is so utterly aggravating and frustrating? And I can't dictate, and I know, Rich, you wouldn't do this either, but I can't dictate to you where that line's going to be. Where that, you know, where you, the fight for freedom or some other issue, where that line is. I can't dictate that for you, and I won't dare to do that. Hey, brother. Yeah, go ahead. One thing in this, in perseverance and trials and suffering, honestly, would any of us attempt and reach out and want to cling harder to Christ if it was not for those trials and suffering? Exactly. That, that, Everything has a purpose. We may not see it, understand it. We may not like it, but all of that makes us and drives us to cling to Christ even harder. You know, the a diamond is formed under pressure. If a piece of coal is just laying out on the ground, it's never going to turn or get compacted enough and be enough pressure applied to it to become a diamond. That is what sanctification is doing for us here on earth. Mm -hmm. It is forming us to the image of Christ until we're made perfect in Christ, in glorification when we're with Christ. But I, I've, I've come across several brothers and sisters, and I would call them brothers and sisters, that don't seem to understand the point of sanctification on earth. Because they would say, well, if I'm saved, why should I be striving to be like Christ now? when I'm going to be made like Christ when I die. Mm -hmm. So why should I be persevering? Why should I continue to endure these hardships? Why should I continue to endure sufferings? Why should I even be trying to understand it? Why not just, you know, try to survive from one day to the next? What is the point of sanctification? But I think the answer lies somewhat within this chapter that you're talking about, mm -hmm. it is because of faith and hope and trust and love mm -hmm. and obedience to Christ. Because ultimately, if we are in Christ, we love Christ. And if we love Christ, we want to obey Christ because we discussed this in another episode and the Bible tells us that if we love Christ, we will desire to obey Christ and to be like Christ. That's talking about now while we're on this earthly plane before we are glorified with Christ. And chapter 11 of Hebrews lays out 
not not one or two or three examples, but an entire chapter of examples of men and women in the Old Testament mm-hmm. that endured all these things because they were looking to the future. They were looking towards the promised land. They put their faith in the Word of God, whether they and they knew at least Abraham knew he would never see that promise, but he trusted in that promise of the Lord, knowing that the Lord would fulfill all promises made not only to Abraham to all but to all those who would be saved in Christ and who God calls to himself. And we need to keep in mind, too, nothing takes God by surprise. Mm -hmm. God knew who he would save before he ever created the universe. So we were not only chosen to be saved in Christ yesterday or at whatever point in time you might have been saved, but before the foundation of the world, God knew who he would save. He knew how he would save them. He knew how he would use those people he saved. He knew who was going to be in heaven because God is outside of time and space. Mm -hmm. Nothing has occurred that he has not already seen and orchestrated. Mm -hmm. And we need to remember that nothing is outside the control of God and Christ and that we can put our trust, our faith, our hope, in Christ, because that is all that is worth those things. We can't put our trust in a government or faith or hope in a government or scientists or politicians or even people, because all of those things will always let you down. Mm-hmm. They never keep all the promises. Science is continually changing. You know, they say they call it scientific fact, but most of the time it's just scientific theory because. In another decade, someone else will come along with another theory that will disprove the original theory that they called fact. Mm -hmm. But the Word of God remains unchanging. It's everlasting. That is what our hope and faith is put in. But um, I'll let you go ahead, but I'd like the listeners to consider this. What is it that you're striving for in eternity? Or what is the eternity that you're striving for? Are you just wanting to escape the pains and sufferings in this world? Or do you desire so much to be with Christ and to be like Christ that you've grown to the point to where you completely understand, like the men and women in Hebrews, that our possessions on this earth mean nothing compared to eternity. The suffering and momentary inflictions that we have now are nothing compared to eternity. I don't think in our mortal minds and in our flesh we can even come to close to comprehend eternity as far as a time aspect because mm-hmm. eternity itself is outside of time and space amen amen no and brother by the way that was fantastic so yeah not i'm grateful that you put that in there and you got people thinking on that so we are called to have endurance we're not to throw away our confidence we have this we have a this great reward, this great promise, and we are called to endure. And Rich, you were pointing out to us to the you know the Hall of Faith, chapter eleven, and it starts with verse one. Now the now faith is the assurance of things hoped for. And there's that that promise, that assurance that it's coming, the things that we're hoping for. We have that promise, so we have faith in that promise. The conviction of things what not seen. We we have a assurance and a conviction even though we cannot see it yet 
we know that it is God's sure promise and it is that trust and that and that God has promised these things even though we do not see them and that what does the writer of Hebrews do then goes forward speaking about the all of these men and women in the hall of faith speaking of what they did in faith trusting in promises of God that in verse 13 he says these all died in faith not having received the things promised but see uh, but having seen them and greeted them from afar so we like to look at the hall of faith and we go look at all these things these guys did but what did they do they did them never having seen the completion of those promises abraham went out of his country to a land that he was told one day would belong to his people. That one day he would be a father of many nations. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, all of them trusting in something they never saw the fulfillment of. Right? But, Go but ahead. I'd like to point out at this point, sometimes people get this confused, and I've heard it many times. Chapter 11 of Hebrews is not a list of accomplishments by men and women in the Bible. It is not meant to elevate what they accomplished. Mm -hmm. There's one word that the emphasis is for this book, and it's the word faith. Mm -hmm. By faith, they accomplished all these things. It was not the accomplishment that this writer is emphasizing. It is the faith by which these things were accomplished. It's mm -hmm. what the emphasis is in this book. Exactly. That's exactly it. And they did so never having seen the fulfillment, never seeing that ultimate fulfillment of the, those promises. So here we are called to have faith like these individuals. Why? Because like them, we have a promise of an eternal city, an everlasting et uh, eternity with Christ. We have this promise that until we are called to glory, we will not see. Yet while we are here, we are to have that kind of faith. He said that they saw them and greeted them from afar, and having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on earth. So they, they never saw the fulfillment of it. They saw and greeted that, that promise from afar, knowing that they were strangers and exiles on this earth. In other words, they were looking to something greater, something further and beyond what they saw in this life. And they were strangers and exiles here. It's just a time. For a time they would be here. Verse 14. For people who speak thus make it clear that they are seeking a homeland. Is it this homeland? Is it the United States of America, the home, land of the free, home of the brave? Is it a, 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 a nation that is fully free and, and, and uh, uh, has no overreaching government? Is it some sort of promise of that nature? No. If they had been thinking of that land from which they had gone out, they would have had an opportunity to return. He's not speaking of an earthly promise. They would have an opportunity to return. Verse 16. But as it is, they desire a better country that is a what? A heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared them for a city. Our promise is greater, a better 
promise, a better possession, a greater city, a greater homeland. It is eternity in heaven. That is our greatest promise that we get to have in Christ. And that faith is what prompted them to act in the manner that they did, going out and being obedient to God to do the things that they were called to do. And Rich, you're right. In faith, they did all these things. In faith, they accomplished so much. In faith, they faced so many difficulties, so many uh, trials and tribulations, and yet still went forward. Go ahead, brother. Sorry. I just wanted to kind of put this in a perspective that we in today's world could understand. Look at Moses in this chapter. Basically, he gave up being the richest man in the world for a promise that he never saw. Think about that. How many professing Christians today would give up everything to be the richest person in the world now? Much less look at Moses and, and everything that occurred in his life and the account of him, you know, in, in the Old Testament and, and everything that God did through Moses. Here, Moses was called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Moses stood potentially at some point in his life, he may have been Pharaoh. At that point in time, that was the center of the world. That was the richest, most powerful position in the world. That would like being king of the world. Even if he had never been made Pharaoh, anything he wanted would have been handed to him. Any amount of money, horses, chariots, even, you know, concubines and wives, all the things of the world Moses could have had it, it for his in his lifetime. Yet he considered all that as rubbish compared to the promises of God. Just put that in perspective. You know, we, we look at people like Bill Gates that's, you know, multi-billionaire and some other men. But it, to put it in perspective, what it would be in today's terms, Moses was basically a multi-trillionaire mm-hmm. and could have had anything he wanted when he wanted it. Yet he gave all of that up <laughs> for a promise that he never saw the outcome of. That is faith. Amen. Amen. So there's something else I want to address in this because we think of, we read the Hall of Faith and we think, look at, and and like what you said here, he gave up all these things and we see, and and he did this for his people, for something he would never see. And we think, wow, Moses had great faith. Look, he led all these people. And yeah, he never made it. He didn't make it into the, the, um, the promised land because of his own sin, but look what he accomplished. He stood against Pharaoh, etc. Well, let me, let me read the last portion of chapter 11 and i want you to understand in faith what god does for his people who who work out what he has called them to do to do the works that he has called us to the writer starting in verse 32 says and what more shall i say for time would fail me to tell of gideon barak samson jephthah of, uh, of david and samuel and the prophets who through faith conquered kingdoms, enforced justice, obtained promises, stopped the mouth of lions, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, were made strong out of weakness, became mighty in war, put foreign armies to flight, women received back their dead from resurrection. Wow! Such amazing 
feats that God did through these people, through their faith. Wait a second. Some were tortured, refusing to accept release so that they might receive, they might rise again to a better life. Others suffered mocking and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sawn in two. They were killed with the sword. They went about in skins of sheep and goats, destitute, afflicted, mistreated, of whom the world was not worthy, wandering about in deserts and mountains and in the dens or in dens and in the caves of the earth. And all these, though commended through their faith, did not receive what was promised, since God had provided something better for us, that apart from us they should not be made perfect. Some of these people in faith, those in the hall of faith, not only failed to see the promise, but were miserable in this life. Mocked, flogged, chained, imprisoned, stoned, sawn in two, killed with the sword, hiding in caves and dens. And what does God say of them? The world was not worthy of them. See, in faith, they look to an eternal promise, a, f a promise that we saw fulfilled in Christ. And because of our redemption, the work that they did was made, per uh, was made perfect because they, they were doing something that pointed to Christ, that it was in that promise of that eternal kingdom, in that promise of redemption was fulfilled in Christ. And so when Christ saved us, the work of their faith, is demonstrated to be perfect because they did, knowing that Christ would come one day, maybe seeing through that glass darkly, not, not understanding the full promises as we see them today. Yet they had that better promise, that eternal city. How can somebody be faithful when they're being chased around the desert, beaten, stripped of their clothing, killed by the sword, sawn into? How do you do that? How could you be so faithful that God says, the world's not worthy of you because of your faith? Because your eyes are not on this world. Your eyes are on Jesus Christ and that promise of his eternal kingdom. Hey, brother. Yes. How, and I, I, I will expand on it, but I'll, I'll, do, I'll present it as a question. What would you say to someone today that said... <clears throat> There's no way I could have the faith they had in Hebrews 11. I would say that that's a faith that you need to get on your knees and pray to God for. I, uh, the Bible says, go, go ahead. I was go just going to say, I mean, that kind of faith doesn't come by something we gin up. That kind of faith comes as we study the word, as we pray, and as we practice out day by day being obedient to Christ. If it was just a matter of, brother, you and I, oh, go out there and face that mob of people and be faithful, you and I might go, yeah, no. <laughs> but that faith is built in us every single day. I, I think it was Darren Stid who, at the uh, Cruciform Conference that I was at early, uh, earlier this year, talking about Martin Luther, 
and the faith to stand before the the Catholic Church. And it's like he didn't stand on that day at the Diet of Worms. He stood every single day before that and being faithful to all the things that God gave him to do that day and, and the preaching of the word and the raising of his family and all those things. God gives us that faith. But we, well, that's where I was. That's I, what I was leading to. The Bible says without faith, it is impossible to please God. But what we need to understand that even the faith we have in Christ is a gift from Christ. And we have something better now than any of them in the Old Testament had. We have the gift and the indwelling of the Holy Spirit who works on our behalf, who works through us on behalf of Christ. And that is something that we would not have had not it been for the resurrection of Christ. Because, correct me if I'm wrong, nowhere in the Old Testament does it talk about the gift of the Holy Spirit was granted to an individual to indwell them and guide them and lead them and help them. Not, not in we didn't see the Spirit in in that manner. That's why Christ says he had to return so that the you know the the Comforter would come. We see people upon the Spirit was poured out upon, but not in the same way we see in believers today. But see, that's something we we have that we can trust and put our hope and faith in as well is that if we're truly saved, we have the gift of the mm -hmm. Holy spirit. All we have to do is reach out, beg clean and ask Christ to help us strengthen us, sustain us, grant us endurance, grant, grant us perseverance, increase our faith, grant us more grace. We have the gift of the Holy spirit that even these great men and women in the hall of faith in chapter 11 did not possess we have that gift of the Holy Spirit. That is the same Holy Spirit that the apostles had when they stood before the Jerusalem Council in the first part of the book of Acts. They had the indwelling gift of the Holy Spirit. They did not have that in the garden the night Christ was arrested. That's one reason they fled. That's one reason Christ told them to pray that they may not fall into temptation. That temptation was fear. They fled. But these same apostles and men and, and disciples, just roughly, possibly 60 days later, these men that ran in fear because they were scared of being arrested, mm -hmm. stood before the exact same council that ordered Christ to put to death. They stood before that council and proclaimed Jesus Christ and him glorified and resurrected. That is what the gift of the Holy Spirit, one of the many, many, many things that we have today that these great men and women in Hebrews 11 do not have, and that is the gift of the Holy Spirit. I think sometimes we neglect focus on the Holy Spirit for being, for fear of being accused of being too charismatic or, you know, leaning too far in one way, but we can never neglect and forget what the gift of the Holy Spirit spirit actually means for the born born again believer brother amen amen so we have that sure promise of the kingdom to come that everlasting city we have this call to faith and endurance that and as you say brother we have even something greater in the new covenant because we have that 
indwelling of the Holy Spirit. So what do we do? How do we move forward? Chapter 12, verse 1. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to what? Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith. <clears throat> who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seating, seated at the right hand of uh, at, at the right hand of the throne of God. Set aside every weight. Set aside all the sin that wants to hold you down and bog you down. And look to Christ, the founder and perfecter of your faith. He has established you. He has saved you. He has redeemed you. And He has indwelt you with the Holy Spirit. He joyfully endured the cross for you. That is what we look to. That is how we are to move forward in a life that seems to want to bog us down and tear us down so terribly. We are surrounded by this great cloud of witnesses. The work that God has done in his faithful people. And we have it all in, in all of scripture. Genesis to Revelation, again and again and again, what God has done in his people. And they all looking forward to what? Christ and his promise of an eternal kingdom. He, has, he is the founder of your faith. Without him, you don't have faith. He is the perfecter of of your faith. He is using this moment in time to refine you in the fire like the gold and the silversmith. They, they take that precious metal and purify it in what fire? Burning off the, the, the impurities, bringing them to the surface, scraping them off, doing it again, doing it again, doing it again until it's pure. He is perfecting your faith through these trials. And there's a reason. Go ahead, brother. I'm sorry. <laughs> I was gonna. I was just gonna. It popped into my head. There's a reason. Reason why we go through those fires. There's a reason why we are made to go through these things in sanctification. Not only is it for the glorification of Christ, conforming us to His image now. But we endure all hardships, sufferings, trials. And if you go back, it's in the uh, First Corinthians. It's in order so that we may help others that are going through trials, sufferings, hardships. We go through them ourselves mm -hmm. to be able to help brothers and sisters who are going through them. We also go through them to 
grant us and put in our hearts a desire to proclaim the gospel of Christ to those who are lost and who are lost and are going to hell when they die. We also proclaim the gospel to glorify Christ. But someone asked, you know, going back to what I said earlier, they asked why. That is one of the reasons why you look at the first first Corinthians. It's in the first chapter. We endure all these things so that in turn we can help others who are going through these things. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we are told that, you know, when you are enduring tribulation and suffering, we are comforted. Why? So that we can comfort others with the same comfort by which we were comforted. So absolutely, we go through these and we're purified and we're sanctified. We're made like Christ and then we see it, someone else going through it. And we do the same for them. We comfort them, pointing them to what? Christ. Pointing them to His promises. So you're absolutely right. It's not just this, well, you're being purified to look pretty. You're being purified and sanctified and made like Christ so that you can be used by Christ. So that you bring glory to Him and you, you, know, you, you become a signpost to Him. And you can comfort and edify and strengthen like we've talked about in so many other episodes. I encourage you to go back and look for these, you know, the various episodes where we talk about the works that we do, the gifts that we have been given. Why? So that we can glorify God and we can edify the saints. So as, as we wrap this up, I, I, I hope what we're doing is encouraging you because we are going through it right now. And, and, and by the way, those elitists who go, oh, you're complaining about vaccines and masks as if that's some sort of horrible burden. This is beneath uh, a, a, you know, a child of God to complain about. Yeah, I actually had somebody do that. And boy, did he get hammered by a lot of people for it. Um, my first thing would be to just ignore them. There are some people that they sit up in their ivory towers and they don't look at the world around them and they don't see what's going on and they don't see the patterns and they don't see the problems and they just kind of be dismissive of the struggles and they go, well, this isn't real persecution. This isn't a real problem. Other, those persecuted nations, you know, the voice of the martyrs nations, the, the, those are the problems. We don't have problems here. We, we're really lucky. And in a lot of ways, there's some truth. But we can also recognize rightly there are problems. And it is getting worse. And it is heading in a bad direction. So ignore the elitists. They're not worth the time. Um, that doesn't mean don't talk to people about why. There are concerns. I'm just saying there are some people that are just going to look down their nose. Ignore them. It's not worth the time. Uh, you'll spend way too much time on a keyboard trying to prove your point. But what we're hoping we're doing is in all of this, as you're enduring those difficulties, as you're enduring those trials, recognize that we have a you know, the latter part of verse 12, toward the end, you know, the writer says, Therefore, let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. 
And let us offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. We have a kingdom that cannot be shaken. It cannot be removed. It doesn't mean that we don't recognize the difficulties and trials we're facing now. It doesn't mean that we act like they're not painful or concerning or difficult. It means that in light of what we are seeing, as Rich, you just said, that should drive us closer to Christ. We don't look at Christ and shake our fists and say, why are you letting this happen? Rather, we go, Lord, I may not be able to be delivered from this trial. So let me rejoice that you are using this trial to make me more like you. And you're doing this because you have an everlasting kingdom, a promise that will be fulfilled, that I will one day spend eternity with you. And while I am here, I want to be made like you so I can glorify your name by pointing people to you. And then we submit to the Lord. We do what the Lord would have us do in that situation. And that may look a little bit different for everybody. I'm not saying that there aren't fights worth fighting. There certainly are. We did a whole episode talking about why I saw, thought the fight for liberty might be important. But there's also a point where some of us, maybe your job isn't going to be to lead the battle charge. Maybe your job's going to be caring for your loved ones. And that may mean you can't be part of that fight. Maybe you have to be the one that says, I'm going to sacrifice in this by submitting to the Lord in the in the, the place that I'm in so that I can take care of my family. I bring that up because my complaint today about what my employer is doing brought a lot of people out of the woodwork that basically told me, well, you just need to quit your job. Well, that's not an option for me. I'd like to. I'd like to be done with this. I'd like to move on. And do what I think are more important things for the Lord and spend more time doing things like this, talking to people that care about the things of God. I'd like to write more, but I'm not here. I'm not there yet. Brother, I'd like to point out right now that, you know, since we're on this portion and closing out, there is a huge difference between taking a shot that is mandated mm-hmm. versus going along with a mandate that violates the word of God. Yeah. Whether you take a vaccine or don't take a vaccine is not a sin. It does not violate the word of God. Mm-hmm. It violates people's wants, desires, thoughts, ideas. Um, some individuals feel like, you know, a shot being mandatory violates their constitutional rights, which, you know, may or may not, you know, personally, I think it does. But ultimately, as Christians, what we need to look to is go back to the Word of God, open the book, read it, study it, understand it, and ask, is this violating the Word of God? And if it's not, then why are you trying to be a judge over a brother or sister who is doing something that they feel led to do by their conscience and in prayer in order to support their family why are you condemning that person when it's nothing that goes against Mm -hmm. the word of god 
And, and I agree with that. And, that. and that was my point, is that um, sometimes you're going to have to, for the sake of serving the Lord, you may be in an environment where it's really uncomfortable. It's, it's going to be hard. And yet, for the sake of God and serving Him, you're going to serve and you're going to do what I'm having to do right now, which is go, Lord, I want to praise you because you need you are changing me. Now, that fights against everything I think and do as a person. I want to fight against this. I want to raise a ruckus. I want to get in a fight. But is that where God has me right now? And, and, and I realize my place, the Lord has me have, serving a greater purpose, and that's serving my family. And so while I can certainly have my opinions and I can certainly voice them and I can share things to inform others and maybe others can fight a fight that I can't, I'm going to serve the Lord and I'm going to submit to him. It doesn't mean that I agree with it. It doesn't mean that I think it's good. Or It means that I recognize this is my place in my, and, and, and my time where I am to serve. And so therefore, I serve the Lord as best as I'm able, trusting and submitting to him. And so you might be someone that the Lord uses in a mighty way. Or you might be somebody who humbly serves showing up to work, paying your bills, taking care of your family, raising your children to fear and serve the Lord. And as you watch civilization crumble around you, you proclaim Christ to your neighbors, to your children, to your family. But you do so with your eyes on that eternal city. And like Christian in uh, you know, Pilgrim's Progress, always looking for the celestial kingdom, always moving forward, realizing the temptations to take shortcuts lead into traps and snares, realizing that there are vanity fairs that would pull you aside for eternity to, to lock you in their cages and... and uh, you know, if you don't follow what they do. But always moving forward, as Christian did, headed for the celestial city. That's where your, fi that's where your eyes need to be fixed. We are moving forward to that celestial city, that promise of eternity with Christ. And when we compare what we have been forgiven of, what we will receive because of that forgiveness, the promise and the, you know, the majesty and the glory of Christ, like those in the hall of faith, we can set aside all those things of the world and seek to serve Christ. That's hard right now for a lot of us. Because we're in the midst of it. It's easy when society wasn't quite so falling apart. It was easy when not everybody was saying, Oh yeah, let's embrace Marxism. It was easy when we thought, You know what, we could solve a lot of these problems by simply electing the right guy. And, and the elections are fair and just and, we'll, and they won't be corrupted. All that seems to be have taken away from us. 
is utter insanity right now. I mean, you've got from the DHS a thing that says um, if if you are concerned about you know COVID restrictions, if you're uh, if you're opposed to COVID restrictions, or if you think there was election fraud, or you think maybe Trump should have been uh, become president, uh, or or you're uh, you're you're looking at the upcoming religious holidays, or hey, the 20th anniversary of the of 9/11 is happening. The DHS thinks you might be a domestic terrorist. Did you know that? Yeah, it's being shared right now. Representative Mike Johnson uh, is is calling for the head of, of DHS because of this. Um, did you know that you might be considered a domestic terrorist if you, if you have opposition to COVID measures? This is hard for us right now. We're in the midst of this. We're thinking, how can this be happening? But yet, the Hall of Faith, you had people who were chased, who were stripped of their clothing, who lived in dens and caves, who were killed by the sword, who were sawn in two. Yet they served the Lord in faith. And what does he say of them? The world was not worthy of them. Not because of them themselves, but because of their faith in him because despite all of that they persevered in their faith and served him folks i hope i hope i hope and i pray and i know rich feels the same that this encourages you and we don't say this we said at the beginning of the show this is not us having figured this out we are struggling too <laughs> the last few weeks for both of us have been hard <laughs> so this is much a lesson for us and you just came along for the ride as it is anything else rich any final thoughts before we let everybody go uh, i just would like to thank everyone that's tuned in and listened to this episode and i'll say like i try to remember to say each time whatever you do this week make it a point to proclaim the gospel at least once a day amen Amen. Now, last thing I want to say. At the very beginning I said, if you are not in Christ, none of this applies to you. And it still doesn't. See, without Christ, there is no hope. Even if you got everything lined up the way you wanted it, if you restored the republic, if, if the rule of law was once again honored, if people weren't being forced to do things that were objectionable, if, uh, if all the immorality was pushed back in a closet where we couldn't see it, and, and we were once again 1950s America, it still wouldn't matter because you have no hope because this life is the only good you get because outside of Christ, you are condemned. Chris, how dare you say that to me? I'm fighting for what's important. Are you? Are you fighting for what's important? Are these things important? Sure. In a worldly basis, yes. Eternally, not so much. Why? Because if you achieve everything that you would love to achieve in this life, and you stand before God apart from Christ, and God opens the books of your life, there will be no sins that are hidden. Every deed you ever did in darkness, every dark thought, every evil thought, every word that you muttered under your mouth, Every time you showed up for work a little bit late but claimed a full paycheck. Every time you lied to your wife. Every time you had a lustful thought. 
Everything you think you've hidden from the world will be on bright display as you stand before God. And he will hold you accountable for each and every one. There are no, well, that, you know, everybody messes up a little bit. That's not, that's not God's standard. God's standard is moral perfection. Christ said you are to be holy for God is holy. And what is holy? Perfect. See, good by de God's definition is God. There's only one who is good. That is God. Christ himself said that. Apart from Christ, you have no goodness of your own. You are sinful to the core. All you have to do is look at the word of God and look at who he is and look at yourself in, in, in comparison. This isn't a comparison between you and me and, the, and, and Adolf Hitler and Joe Biden and everybody else. It is a comparison between you alone and God. And apart from him, you're a sinful mess. By comparison to him, you are a sinful mess. And everything you've done to appease yourself and appease your flesh and appease your lusts is a fish shake at God in an attempt to yank him off his throne so that you can be king. Chris, I don't believe that. That right there just proves it. Because God has spoken in his word what he demands of us to be considered holy. And it is fully 100% moral perfection. In thought, word, and deed. You can't do it. For 30 seconds, you can't do it. You will stand before God. And the books of your life will be open from one page to the, to the first page to the last. And every sinful thought, word, and deed will be judged. And then you will be cast into the lake of fire from which there is no release. There is no early parole. Guess what? There's no purgatory. There's no time off for good behavior. There's no prayers that will redeem you. Nobody's going to come along and pray for you while you're in hell and redeem you out. There's no posthumous salvation. Once you are cast from his sight and consigned to the fires of hell, that is where you remain for eternity because you have sinned against an eternally righteous, perfect, and holy God. And his holiness demands an eternal condemnation. And yet, in Christ, there is forgiveness for sin. See, when you stand before God and the books of your life are opened, you have no defense. Yet Christ willingly came, uh, came down, took upon human flesh, and lived the life you can't live. For 30 plus years he, did, he lived that life, thought, word, and deed, 100% obedient to the Father, always doing what the Father commanded of him. Without so much as a, 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 a back talk, a muttering under his breath, a false word, nothing. In perfect obedience he lived. Fulfilling the law that you could not keep. And then willingly went to the cross to suffer and die for crimes he did not commit. Why? So that the wrath of God that you deserve is poured out upon him. God turned his back on his son. He became sin. Christ became sin who knew no sin. So that he could receive the righteous wrath of God at the cross. He suffered, died, and was buried. Dead completely, physically, in every way. On the third day, he rose again in fulfillment of the scriptures. He rose himself from the grave. Why? So that he could defeat the powers of sin and death. 
And then he ascended to the heaven and he sits at the right hand of the Father. And he intercedes for those who are his. Intercede means he is speaking on your behalf to the Father. What does he demand of you? That you repent. That you turn away from your sin. That you agree with God. That you are a sinner deserving of hell. And you turn from that. And you turn toward Christ. And then you put your full weight, your full faith in him and his completed work. Trusting wholly and completely in him. Nothing of yourself can you have to bring to, the, to, to God. All at the cross. You lay it at the cross and you completely trust him. And if you have done that, then it is his promise that you will be redeemed. And that you will be brought into the kingdom. And now everything we just spent the last hour and a half talking about is a promise to you. But only then. So if you spent time listening to this because you stumbled across this podcast or you're one of the new listeners that maybe because we've been talking about some of this stuff on social media and you're like, hey, let me check what this guy's got. He's got a podcast. Let me check it out. And you listen to this. And if you've never heard the gospel before, I urge you, get on your knees and bow before God and pray for faith. Call out to him. Cry out for forgiveness. Pray that he grants you repentance and you would turn from your sin and submit to Almighty God. This isn't about winning a culture for the Lord. This isn't about turning America back to 1950s Ozzy and Harriet and all that stuff. This is about you and God. Because apart from him, you have no eternal city. You have no pro, uh, promise of hope. You have no salvation. But he will grant you that today if you will turn from your sin and trust in Christ alone. And now you have an eternal city to look toward. No matter what happens here, you have his sure promise. I pray that's what you do. I pray you turn from your sin and you trust in Christ alone. And saints, if you heard this and you're like, yeah, that's right, that's what we need. Guess what? Find somebody and go tell them that. Because the evidence of God's giving this nation over to a depraved mind is all around us. The lack of clarity of thought, the, la the absolute degradation of our people, the absolute insanity of what's happening around us is evidence of God giving us this nation over to a depraved mind. This is his judgment upon our nation. It is evidence that people are dying and going to hell. And I say this as someone that 99 per 9... 9.99, I can't talk all of a sudden. 99.9% .9 of the time when I say this, I'm saying it into this microphone. Why? Because I go to work, I come home, spend time with my family, go to bed, do the same thing tomorrow, do it the next day, do it the next day, do it the next day, then the weekend, and I stay home because I don't want to go deal with people. And if you don't feel like you can get to a conversation, get good gospel tracks. Be praying for people to share the gospel. If you can't, if you can't be out there on the street, pray and hold the rope for the people who are. Parents, evangelize your children. 
Moms, if you're at home with your kids, share the gospel with your children and pray for them. Pastors, train up your people. How much more evidence do we need? This is our time. This is what we do. This is what we need to do. Brother, anything uh, anything else to say before we let everybody go? No, brother. I appreciate you. And I thank, that, thank you for everything that you said. And I agree with you 100%. And like you said, if you're not aware you can be out proclaiming the gospel and witnessing to people and having one-on-one conversations, use gospel tracts. Go online. Social media is a great medium for proclaiming the gospel. I've shared the images, I don't know how many times, but you can go and there's online tracks you can download and share on Twitter and Facebook or whatever other social media platform, but, but be about proclaiming the gospel. Copy down or copy and paste from the Gospel of John in chapter 3 and use Bible verses and explain verses 16 through 21 and 33 through 36. But do something. Do something. Amen. And and like I say, make it a point. Put it at the forefront of your mind. Make it a habit to proclaim the gospel or share a tract at least once a day. Amen. Amen. All right, folks, thank you for being with us this week. Thank you for being uh, faithful listeners. Thank you for continuing to, I don't know, just encourage Rich and I as we, we see those downloads come in. Not that we're begging for numbers. Don't, that's not what I'm asking. It just lets us know that you're there, and we're grateful for it. And by the way, I, I've always say this, um, well, at least every so often, uh, if you do find something about this show helpful, leave a review only because it helps other people Know that this is a program you think is worth listening to. It doesn't boost rankings. It doesn't make us easier to find. It just makes it easier for people to know, hey, this is a program I think you would benefit from if you actually like it. Um, if you want to get a hold of us, voiceofreasonradio at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. And of course, most of you who do follow, I think, act, interact with us on social media, so you can find us there as well. Um, thank you for being a part of the Voice of Reason Radio family. You guys have been awesome to us. And I really look forward to continuing to do this for as long as the Lord would allow us. Um, not too long from now is going to be the G3 conference. I'm looking forward to being there. I wish I could get rich out there. <laughs> it would be nice to actually do a face-to-face for once, but we'll just, it doesn't look like that's going to happen. But uh, maybe by one of these days, the Lord will, will grant us that ability. Um, but I look forward to seeing some of you guys out there. That's coming up not too far away, less than two months to go. Um, So I hope to see some of you there. And uh, God bless you guys. Thank you for continuing to be part of this little family. And uh, we look forward to talking to you next time. So whatever you do this week, do it for the glory of God. God bless you guys. Good night. We'll see you next time.